Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trigiani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Pennant. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. And today's theme, Marjorie, is create something. Oh, this makes my heart sing. This is about being creative, and we're going to talk with someone who really is passionate about making creativity part of your daily life. And I know that you're going to be so inspired by her, but I had a realization Gosh, uh, right the day that I went to my 20th high school reunion, so this summer, I had a realization that I've lost my creativity. (laughs) And not all of it, but a lot of it. So, Marjorie, when I went to my 20th high school reunion, I told you about this, that I went with my four best girlfriends, and ahead of the reunion, we all met up. We got hotel rooms to stay in together and have rosé and reminisce and listen to 90s music and just have a great time. (laughs) And I brought with me all of these scrapbooks that I'd made in high school. And I made a scrapbook for like every year, every spring break, all these different things. I never would have thought of you as a scrapbooker. I love that. Me neither. And I have boxes of them. And I brought them to the hotel room. And we were all looking through them. And not only just scrapbooks, Marjorie, but, I mean, hand-drawn illustrations and cute words and all of these things that I used to almost sort of journal and remember what life was like at that time. And it made me so happy to see that I'd done that because, and also sort of embarrassed that I was such a nerd, but also at the same time, (laughs) I felt a little sad because I thought I used to be a person who would draw things and write things and kind of make all of these things. And I know that I'm still creative in some ways, but I've lost those creative outlets. And clearly at a certain time in my life, it brought me a lot of joy and I spent a lot of time on it. And I sort of wondered where that went. Well, it's a function of time and other people being dependent on you and work. And I think when we're in high school, when we're, when we just, we don't have as many pressures on us, it's almost like you have the time to wiggle your toes in the sand. That it's just that moment where you can just sort of feel good and sort of wallow in your own, wallow is probably the wrong word, but sort of take joy in your own life. And we, I do think when you get into the busyness of life again, those creative avenues that sustain us, for whatever reason, we let those go first. When, in essence, we should make sure that those stay at the forefront. Yeah, yeah. Because in the end, those are the things that are going to sustain us through the hard times. I know. And so, yeah, I think it's it's crucial to always remember it. And, Elizabeth, you're not alone. I think everybody at periods of – I know for myself, if I don't feel like I'm expressing some of the things that are actually in my head – 
I get depressed is too strong a word for squirrely? it. I get squirrely is a great word. <laughs> I, I do. That's actually a perfect word. I get a little blue and I get squirrely because it's just there's too much in me that's sort of vibrating that's not finding the the appropriate outlet. Yeah. Are you so creative? So do you think? Like, I are would, you? I mean, I are you hope so. <laughs> but I mean, are you incorporating creativity? And I don't mean just like creative in your work, because creative in your work is great too. But I mean, just like creative, just to be creative, not to get something out of it. Well, you know what? For me, how it how it would play out over the years was in 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 renovating homes. That was a it's a big expensive hobby, but that was a joy. Yeah. Of like figuring out like how is this going to look and really working and you're going through it now so you know it's a creative process. That's so but true. Being a, but I mean I've had I've I mean think about this I've had probably close to ten homes so there's a lot of and and some of them I didn't own some of them I bought and then did and then flipped and so there's a lot I think that's that's really fun for me. And do am I creative in the ways that I would love to be? Not fully. What does whiskey have to do with you your creativity? I see a note here. <laughs> There's a note in our plan that says whiskey. I'm trying to get you to talk about it, and you're not talking about it. Oh, that. Oh, in the note? Yeah. Oh, I love that. What does whiskey have to do with it? Whiskey has to do with it. That what I found in terms of creativity is the one thing that brings me inspiration that got lost very much in my 30s and 40s was music. Yeah. That when I make when I bring myself back to the music I love, which brings me to whiskey, I love a song called Tennessee Whiskey. And uh, by Chris Stapleton, and then "Drink You Away" by Justin Timberlake. And there's a there's a YouTube video when they're performing that those two songs together at the CMAs. And when I watch something like that, and I I see all these musicians on stage who are just emanating pure joy, it makes me want to be more creative. Okay, that's great. I love that. Okay, I'm glad yeah. I brought up the I couldn't let you mow over the whiskey. I was like, what is the whiskey part of this? Yeah, I drink. There we go. That's how drink. she gets creative. All right, our guest today is uh, someone who is super creative. Her name is Julie Burton. So Julie is an author, a teacher, and she's the founder of the female-focused co-working space called Modern Well in the Twin Cities. Marjorie, this space is, I mean, you want to move in when you go there. It's just mm. this beautiful, fabulous fabulous, wonderful, inspiring space. And she's the author of a book that I love, too. It's called The Self-Care Solution. And it really encourages women with tangible ways to incorporate self-care into their lives. She's a passionate creative and a connector. She teaches writing workshops, and she brings women together for support and inspiration at Modern Well. And so I'm so happy to have Julie with us on Best to the Nest. Hi, Julie. Hello, Elizabeth, and hello, Marjorie. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Oh, we love it. Okay, Julie, creativity is something that's so important to you. And in your book, The Self-Care Solution, you talk about all sorts of ways to be, you know, a self-caring person, to care for yourself. But creativity is really important. It's not something that we should just go, oh, if I have time to do that. So I want to know from you why it matters so much. Yes, it is a huge component of, of the way that we take care of ourselves. And we are all creative beings. I mean, think back, like your earliest memories, right, of like, grabbing that finger paint and just like just smearing it all over the page and and it, or or your food right or your food on your high chair just like okay just drawing little you know little shapes and we all have it Marge you said the the vibrations within us like it is just innate in our beings and there is a tremendous amount of research around the power of creativity and how it actually it makes us happier healthier human beings more engaged with ourselves and each other 
It helps us to live longer. I mean, there's literally research on longevity and creativity. I mean, this is real science. And I, I think what you said earlier about how as we get older, we our creativity kind of just sort of goes away and, and we kind of squash it because we're so busy and we have all the, to, you know, the big to-do list. And there's literally research that says that this guy named George Land did a study in the 1960s, but it's still super powerful and so true and, and great for us to think about. At the, they took the, he took these kids, this group of like a couple hundred kids, and, and studied them for 10 years. Wow. And did this kind of creativity measure, okay? So he, at, at the age of five, they, whatever questions they asked to measure creativity, you know, it was the same one, the same ones throughout these 10 years. At the age of five, these kids measured 98% in creativity. So basically, we are, are born as creative beings, yeah. right? Yeah, like that, that they age, were actually, they I were mean, living like, that. They were living creative They were life. living that. Yeah. They don't have to think about it. They're not critiquing it. They're not, is it good? Is it bad? It, it's just, we just are, right? And then at, by the age of 10, okay, that 98% dropped to 30%. Wow. Okay, that's shocking. Wow. Okay. Wait, wait, okay. <laughs> it gets worse, Julie. Yeah, I, yeah it gets like, worse. You could, not have te- you could not have teed this up better. I mean, as we're talking about your 20-year reunion, like, where did that creativity go? Like, it's a real thing. Like, it's a yeah. real scientific thing. By the age of 15, we're down to 12%. Man. Okay? And at 15, you need it more than ever. Yeah. That's how you work yeah, through your right? angst, you scrapbook. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we turn to other things, right? Uh, <laughs> And then, so then, so that was kind of the end of the study. But then they revisited it with the, with another separate group of adults, just kind of a more generalized group. And basically, by adulthood, we are down to two percent. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And so, and I loved, I loved, you know, kind of like the reasons. Like we we get busy, we're pulled in so many directions, and there are they are real. I mean, they are true. We we are working. We are mothers. We are, you know, we have a lot of things on our plate. But to your point, I, I think both of you said this, like, it is, it is really important that somehow, some way we find our way back to or forward to to the page, whether it's, it's doodling in a journal, writing poetry, taking pictures, designing your house. I mean, I love that, Margie. Like, that is a huge place of creativity to, yep. to even and even if it's not a whole house maybe it's just a corner of a room I mean just about a month ago I just didn't like the way my living room looked so I had the couch moved into the garage and I just redid everything and that just feels yeah. good to yeah. me it just feels good yeah it was a little bit of Craigslist in there there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of money but not a lot and, and it, it just it yeah. made a complete difference to me and it felt more like the space that I want to be in it's true though too I think when you're engaged in something creative I and mean, this is where where I've been talking like a broken record about my stupid kitchen renovation, but it is almost done for the love of God and all that is holy. Please, not be done. please let it be done. But but I've really missed the creativity of cooking. Yep. And so now, yeah. you know, as and I was kind of giving myself a hard time about not drawing and the and the scrapbooking and things like that. But as I after I had that realization that I'd lost some creativity, I did start to think about my life and about other areas in which I'm creative, which a lot of it is, I mean, cooking for me is a very creative process because I'm thinking, what do I want to make? What do I want to create? Right. I mean, I'm creating something. And I know it serves for sure. a purpose, 
but it is very creative. Or when I love when I can have a cup of coffee and I can just putter around the house and rearrange accessories, just like mm, move things or put a plant that. in a different <laughs> space or stack, stack some books and put a picture frame on top of that. And it just feels, it feels just like you're so in the moment and that you are making something pleasant or beautiful or nourishing. And you're right, Julie. I mean, you can feel your blood pressure lowering just when you're doing those things. And and I would say to you too, Elizabeth, and Julie, I'd love your thoughts on this, is when I was talking about work and you said, no, 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 not creativity at work. You said something like that. For me, it has to, I, I have to have that at work. Or I can't stay in that job. Well, I feel that way, too. Listen, so, I have a creative job, too. No, and so for me, that really, like, sometimes people will be like, you know, why does your husband live in, in Kansas and you live here? Part of the honest reason was I had a group of people that I worked with that I felt so creatively in sync with, and we could make things that made us so happy that I felt like the most grateful person in the world yeah. because what was inside me was in complete synergy with what I was doing at work. And that's a rare moment, and I'm always grateful for it because it was just this confluence of two other people that I just, I marveled at their work. And I loved one time I was talking to my videographer, and he described it that we were able to plus each other. And I just thought that that just felt like it just fills, when I would work with them, it just filled me up in such a complete way that it didn't even feel like work. That's it felt like an expression of me. And those moments don't come along always. And yeah. it's not work's not always like that. That's why you can't really count on it. But when it happens, I always try and note it it's because magic. I know it's special. That's yeah. so true. You can't count on it. I mean, that's the, that's sort of what I mean by going, I mean, work. if work is creative, what a joy that is. Right. If you can have that. If you can have it. But at the same time, I do think there is important to leave space for creativity that doesn't that doesn't come with any pressures of like a performance right. or an end result, right? Because right. like Marjorie, then, if you yeah. like stop being really good at your job, despite how creative you are, they're gonna be like, "Peace out, sister." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's you have to create in your own life the things that you can control. So what do you, you can control? What do you think sure. happens to us, Julie, when we don't have a creative outlet? When we're stifling this? When we're going through day to day without? If you have no creativity in your job. And then you also are not making space for creativity in your regular life. Oh, yeah. Such a good question. We die inside. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's the title of the episode. We die die inside. What a gift. I mean, that you that you have that at work. And, and I think more and more companies are getting that. Yeah. And they're getting mm-hmm. that sort of, we've got kind of these two parts of our brain that we use at work, our decision-making brain and then our creative brain. And I think that com- it's, there's, there's a kind of a movement in companies right now that's called they're designating 20% of employees' time to creative thinking yeah. and generating new ideas but like otherwise you're stuck it, it's just it, it, we we have to be i mean think about like a steve jobs right i mean the guy you know is is a creative genius if he would have been sitting like in a, in a cubicle just checking off his to-do list, i mean it just 
right? I mean, he's, he had he dropped out of college. He started taking classes that interested him. He took like a calligraphy class. Okay, no, did he, did he use calligraphy? Did he use calligraphy in, in Apple? You know, in, in in the phone? No, but it, it unlocked creativity in his brain, so right. that he could access this. Hmm, I wonder if we could. Yeah. I wonder if this right. And so I think that it is so important that we. I think people sometimes look at creativity as what a waste of time. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm not really yeah, accomplishing just, anything. Right? You're just like, oh, you're just, you know, sort of navel gazing, right? Like, right. We're just sort of sitting there with our pen and paper and just, but really, I mean, that's where such innovation has come from on a, in a big picture and even just personal happiness and fulfillment and connection. Right. And when you're happier with yourself, right? When you feel good and, and you feel, like your ideas are fresh and, and, and you're happy and you can connect with other people so much better and, and you're interested and interesting and it just, it's so life enhancing. I've seen it every day, you know, right in front of us at, at, at Modernwell where we have all these women working and they are, some work independently and some found each other just even at the water cooler and I've, I've seen it with my own, just kind of like what you're talking about, Marjorie, just that like, hmm, what about this? And have you thought about this? And let's work on this together. And yeah. all of a sudden, yes, I mean, I've seen companies start, you know, before my eyes. I've seen people start start businesses and, and collaborations and projects and books and blogs and podcasts. You know, I mean, what this, this is a creative endeavor. I read, you know, how this all started, and it's so cool, like between the tapes <laughs> as you're having this conversation, right? right? And it's like, that's creativity at its finest, where you're open to that, where you're open to new ideas and not just being like, oh, no, we can't talk about this. We have to check, you know, just check these things off the list. And yeah. Like, there's magic in creativity. There is magic in creativity. That's totally true. Look, Marjorie, we were even creative on the radio together. Isn't Amazing. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's, I think, too, when we bring it back to the idea of best to the nest is what we model for our children. What do we model for them? What are we showing them we're making space for in our lives? Well, and everything we make space for we're showing them has value right yep exactly and so if you shut down those avenues but if you do at night and I, I I think you're exactly right that you have to find the creative spaces in your own personal life if you're showing your kids that you know at night you're going to open up a paint box because that's what's within you you don't know what's going to happen and it's always funny because I always hear and I, I probably was guilty of this as well when I was raising my kids you'll hear mothers talking about how well their children do certain things thank oh. you for saying this Marjorie mm-hmm. I'm so glad you are talking about this I'm not sure I'm going to say what you want me to say no you always but, do yes you always do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they take such pride in oh they're a great artist or they're a great this or they're a great that and I think sometimes as mothers we forget to think well what am I great at like what am I I'm going to do? Was that what you wanted me to say? Well, it was sort of along those same lines. I mean, you're right. We praise our children for that. But I also think a lot of us, and, and this is just from being in the thick of it with a four-year-old and a two-year-old, right. I see people praising their children for the end result. And I think oh. that is majorly missing the boat. Now, Julie, yeah. you're the creativity expert, so tell me if I'm on the right track here. But I really yep. feel strongly about not saying to my children, especially my four-year-old, you know, when she's saying, Mama, I drew a bunny. And it doesn't look anything like a bunny, right? So I don't feel like I need to go, 
that's a perfect bunny. That's a bunny, you know, or whatever. It's, I love how creative you are. I love your imagination. I love how you're thinking about the colors in these ways. I mean, that's the sort of reinforcement that I try to be really intentional about giving her so that she isn't because I know how this is. I mean, I have a problem where I will not do creative things because I think the end result won't be perfect. I've talked right. with Julie in therapy sessions sure. about this, For that sure. I <laughs> I can't finish a knitting project because as soon as I make a mistake and I don't know how to fix it, I just toss the whole thing. I unwind right. yeah. the yarn, Marjorie. I oh. unwind it and it sits oh, in a bag. No. Yeah, multiple <laughs> times. Oh, that says so much. It says so much. I, and, and I don't want her to be so that way. Oh. No, and you just, you hit it. I mean, right there. Oh, it's yeah. like, and I think, you know, these percentage, you know, this drop in percentage is not just because it's life and life gets busy and we have more responsibility that we can't just paint and, dry, you know, just on a whim. Right. But I think, too, it's that, it's that inner critic, right? Yeah, it's you that, lose the confidence. Well, all of a sudden, but wait, I'm not, I'm not good at knitting. I'm yeah. not good at drawing a bunny. I'm right. not good at, you know, so... So I think it's, it's brilliance what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's really because it's like having them find joy in the process yes. of creating, right? Not just, oh, look at this perfect bunny. No, oh, my gosh, I love that you're doing that. I love that you're drawing. And isn't that fun? And doesn't that feel good? And isn't that amazing how you can create something? And, and that, I mean, you're, you're on it. You got it. But, but I think that is really a lot of times what, squashes our creativity. What you said right there is big though, Julie, having them find joy in the process of creating. I mean, it it definitely is worth repeating, finding joy in the process of creating. And that is, that is something that's so important because it's just enjoying the process instead of being so obsessed with how the end result is going to turn out. And I will definitely say that I am guilty of the latter quite often. Oh, we all are. are. We all are. Yeah. Writing classes. Um, I've been teaching with a writer friend of mine, Nina Badson, for five years, and we and people will come up to us and say, "Oh, you know, I'm not a writer. I, I can't take." Oh my God! Right? Yeah. And we're like, and, and I, the best professor I ever had in undergrad. I was I was kind of a lost, like didn't know really what I wanted to do, and I was a humanities major, right? I was like, okay, I'll just read books and write about them. I loved it. But I said, and I was thinking about applying to journalism school, and I went to him, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really a writer. And he looked at me, and he said, can you think? And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. He said, if you can think, you can write. There you go. Because all it is is putting all that stuff that's, you know, racing around in our heads, right, and just putting it on paper. It's not anybody can do that, right? Well, if anybody can do that. But, here, but here's the thing, Julie, you know, so my undergraduate degree is in rhetoric. That's my major. I was a rhetoric okay. major. Uh-huh. And so when I graduated from, from college, I had moved to New Jersey to be with my husband. And just through a weird confluence of events, I ended up teaching writing at a community college. So I taught two semesters there. And it was just almost accidental. My writing process, how I was sort of trained as a writer, and that I, I use that very loosely, was sort of a progressive way. And so it sort of aligned with how this school wanted to teach. And so they, they let me teach two sections, two semesters. And, but it was so informative to me. And it was at a community college, and the students I was teaching were the, the kids that had had trouble in high school. They were not, their, they were not star students. They were trying to get 
into four-year programs. So it was a basic, basic writing course. And so I had to teach, you know, the proper rules of punctuation and grammar and all of those things. But what was overwhelming in working with these students, I just loved it. I loved them, was how stifled they had become because of how many people had told them they were bad at it. Oh, gosh. So they they were just because they weren't the star students. You know, they weren't the type Mm -hmm. A's. They didn't, you know, perhaps read a lot. And, you know, great writers are great readers. That we know to be true. But not everybody's going to be a great writer. That's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not a writer. Right. Everybody can be a writer. And it was so wonderful to work with these students who had so much to say and to allow them the space to begin to learn that they could put it on paper and their thoughts were going to be respected and not pulled apart. Now, that having been said, I'm a firm believer that punctuation is the stop signs. <laughs> you know, it's it's the road signs, the road maps of guiding your readers. So you've got to understand the fundamental basics of grammar and punctuation. So I had to integrate that in. But you have to sure. integrate that in without killing the spirit of say what you need to say. But it just yeah. broke my heart that these kids, they just, I mean, what they had been told as 12, 13, or even let's start at 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. shutting down a whole beautiful avenue for the rest of their life because they were told they were bad at it. It just broke yeah. my heart. Yeah. And so that was really yeah. fulfilling to, to be able to say, no, 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 what you want to say, put it on paper. It's okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. so many of those avenues that. get shut down. So and many get shut down. And that's where you go back to Julie's idea of enjoying the process. And so yep. – you can teach yourself to enjoy the process just as much as you can teach somebody else to enjoy the process. And right. Julie, you you talk in your book about a space to be creative. And I think this is so important, I think, especially for mothers, where <laughs> as much as we have a whole house, right? I mean, generally we have a house. There isn't a space that's just ours. Where yeah. it's easier for my husband to go, like, it might, as sad as this is, my husband's space is the boiler room. The boiler room <laughs> is where he hangs out. He has all of his hunting gear in there. It's warm in there. It's warm in there. <laughs> the boiler room. It feels, like, kind of cozy. He's got all I of his old, his old hockey jerseys hang on a rack in the boiler room. Oh, and he just kind of putters around down there and hangs out in the boiler room. But... For um, everybody should probably find their own boiler room, right, Julie? I mean, where do you want us to go, and why is that so important in our houses? Oh, my gosh. I, You know, it's kind of Virginia Woolf's one zone. I mean, we, we need a space, and literally, I mean, even if, you know, you're not able to build out an office, an office in your house, which most people, you know, are not able to do, but literally I've, I have a writer friend who just was so desperate to have to be able to put her pen down in one place yeah. and know that she could come back and it would be in the exact same place, yeah. right? She just was like, and she, you know, and this is her craft. And, and, and as a writer, you know, we, we, we need our pens, right? We, the pens are really important. <laughs> so she literally just carved out like this, I think it was part of her kitchen pantry or something. And she just, she kind of got the smallest desk she could find and just put the desk kind of in the corner of, of her kitchen and and said this this kids and husband is my office my okay? office and anything on this desk is not to be touched and I don't want your stuff to be put on this desk right so you know don't believe in your homework stuff and, and your pens and no nope, this is yeah you know. and it was just it was so 
because I've always felt that, but I thought, like, is that, that like, kind of a selfish thing? Like, I have to have it. But kind of like your husband, it's like, no, it's it's kind of this haven, like this safe haven, right, that, that he can go and just and be and and who knows and just and be creative and, and exhale and and think and 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 we need that separation we need those boundaries i mean because as mothers it's like somebody's always wanting something from us and needing something from us and mm-hmm. if it's not the kids there's always stuff to do around the house and there, we we need a, a space we need a physical space and which is part of the reason i started modern well because i realized not only do we need a physical space but then as a writer, I started to feel isolated, right, which is a whole other discussion because creativity, you also need support yeah, in it right. because it can be a, a lonely process. But anyway, back to back to kind of the space in your home. I think that, you know, we can all probably relate to that in terms of, of, of wanting a, sort of a safe haven that we can retreat to. I love that. that. Yeah. I do. And I love that. I love that, too, because that really, I think everybody has different sizes of homes and all of that, but that idea that she just found a corner. You can find yeah. a corner and get a little de- desk and say, this this is mine. And I really, yeah. what resonates with me is that idea of if I put my pen down here, when I come back with a thought, my pen is going to be right there. Yeah. That, exactly. Even metaphorically, that's a big that's a big darn deal. Well, and it also yeah. shows, I mean, it's again, it's that modeling that behavior to your children that your needs are important your creativity is important your space is important and it's Mm -hmm. okay to demand those things from other people I mean it's okay to say this is mine you know just as it's okay to say your body is yours you're this you know those are things those are messages I mean all those kind of messages I've become a parent I just see I see my little the little ones, their little minds working. And I see like they're just how the wheels are turning and then the questions that they ask about things. And you realize that every little message that you're sending them about how you live your life tells them what's important and tells them what's, what should be valued. Seeing us do things that make our soul happy and, our, you know, just our spirit lift is everything to our kids, you yeah. know, and, and we're modeling um, that kind of behavior for them, and I think that's probably the best thing that we can do for them. You are so right, Julie. You are such a joy. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's just great. It really does inspire me to think about creativity and and maybe to finish a knitting project. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it'll happen. Maybe this is the winter. <laughs> this is maybe this is it, Julie. Thank you so much. We thank appreciate you. Thank you for having thank me. You. Was <laughs> fun. Care. And I got to say to you, Elizabeth, what you I, have to, I was thinking about you through this all as we were talking this morning. And when she was saying the kids seeing what you do when you come from home from work with you, I can already envision when your kitchen is finished, what your kids will see when they walk through the door and what they'll smell. I mean, you are living a creative life in so many different ways. And even with that, your garden. When I was at your house and you were talking, hey, this is what the side garden's going to look like, and this is what I'm envisioning. And you just, you're so excited. There's so much of that that's woven. Not to say you shouldn't knit as well. I think knitting is fine. <laughs> but there's so much of it that you just have woven into your life that brings you so much joy. 
And the fact that the kids can go out in the garden and experience that with you. They may not choose to garden, as we've talked about before, but they're going to see what that does to you. Yeah. And I, I just think that's wonderful. Oh, I think you're right. And it is that is true. You kind of look at, and again, like giving yourself credit for where mm-hmm. you are expressing yourself creatively. And I know Julie told me that I should put down my phone, which I do have it down, but I did <laughs> during this podcast get a text message from my contractor with a photo <gasps> of the burner on on my stove the burner is on which means here we go tomorrow afternoon it's game on in the kitchen it is game on and we are already excited about the first things that we're going to be making and um and it's pretty exciting stuff it feels there you go feels good congratulations (laughs) it's going to be the most creative pot of soup ever oh i hope so if you are enjoying this podcast please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend and if you have a moment you can give us a review at apple Podcasts. we love those and please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at Best to the Nest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Very inspiring, darling. Go be creative so we don't die Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.